Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who have broken through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is We Sell Commercial Real Estate too. Our special guest is a woman who has triumphed through many challenging times while growing up in the midst of Miami's ever-changing metropolis. She serves on several boards such as NARAB, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, the Women's Council, which is the oldest minority real estate organization in the United States. Also, the Broward Days Housing Impact Team that is working to implement the development workforce for housing projects in the Tri-County area. She is also the only African-American woman on the Miami Association of Realtors Commercial Board for 2020, which is the largest realtor association in the United States and number two in the world. Without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to our special guest, Tamika Moses. Hi, Tamika. Hi. How are you this evening? Finding you. Great. I am so pleased that you have agreed to come on from execution to excellence because I have Thank a you. lot of questions to ask you. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. So, Tamika, let's dive right in. Tell okay. me a little bit about growing up in Florida. I think you're like the first person that I have interviewed that are, that's here on the ground with me. Oh, wow. That's actually born and raised in Miami. Okay. I'm, 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 I am a true Miami native, born and raised in Miami, raised here in Miami, even went to college right here in Florida, which is in um, t- um, at Florida A&M University in Tallahassee. I also attended college at Florida Atlantic University where I got my bachelor's degree in um, arts and interdisciplinary um, okay. studies focused in on journalism and business. And so what was it like for you growing up in Miami? I love it. I love growing up in Miami. You know, I have my whole family here, um, the ones that, because um, a lot of my family has um, passed on now, but I love growing up in Miami. I loved it. I loved my childhood in Miami. And when I meet people, they're like, oh, you're from, they're thinking I'm relocating from somewhere. I'm like, no, I'm actually born and raised. So like, do you realize it's rare that, you know, I meet people who are actually born and raised in Miami? I say, yes, born and raised. So I've seen all the transitions and everything of each neighborhood. I, that's why I tell people, I said, I'm excited about selling real estate here in South Florida because I, I basically know every nook and cranny of the area. Exactly. So where were you born in Miami? Which area? I, I was born and raised in an area which we called it Rolling Oaks, which, is, which was also called back when I was growing up in the care. Um, it was called, mm, I would say probably, it was not Miami Gardens, it was called Carroll City. But on that side of 27th Avenue, on the east side of 27th Avenue, we always called it the Norland area. So I was I was raised in that area because I attended um, elementary school there and I also attended um, high school in the area. Yeah, that's interesting because you never you know you don't meet a lot of people that were born and raised in the Miami area. I mean, it's the same thing on this coast. You know, for mm-hmm. you guys that don't know, Tamika lives on the east coast of Florida, which is the Miami, Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale area, and I live on the west coast of Miami, which is on the Gulf of Mexico. So she lives on the Atlant- with, on the side where the Atlantic Ocean is, and I live on the side yes. where the Gulf of Mexico is. So you don't yes. really, especially on my side, I never run into anybody that was born and raised in Naples. So it's really interesting to talk to you, and you were born and raised in Miami. And yes. I can tell you the thing about Miami, all I remember about Miami is when I was growing up is spring break. We would come there from <laughs> Philadelphia, and we would have a blast. And that would be, you know, Fort Lauderdale or Miami Beach and spring break would just, we would just carry on. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So you were right there with all the action, and you grew up during the times of um, the fashion industry when it started coming there and Versace and yes. the TV and film. You saw all of those transitions there. 
I saw all of those trans I saw all of those transitions there. I told people I tell people also I said, listen, I saw the good transitions and also the bad I saw the bad transitions. I tell people I say, Yes, that even the movie the Al Pacino movie Scarface, that is true. I said, I saw all of that. I grew up around all of that. And I used when I was a child growing up, um, a lot of my family and I and I'm very honest about it, was involved in that trade. And growing up even when my teachers would say, okay, what did your parents do? I would have to come up with something else, another another um, occupation. Because it's like, okay, as a child, yes, you're getting everything that you want. You're understanding as you're, as you're getting older. But it's like, okay, it's kind of embarrassing to say that when your parent, when your best friend or someone is saying, oh, my mom is a teacher or my dad is a principal. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to say what my parents are doing? But I knew what they were doing. But one thing I always admired about my parents, even during that era, they made education first, no matter what. Okay. They made, they made education first, no matter what. So even growing up in that era of seeing the transitions of the fashion, this, the money, everything or whatever, education was number one. And I was basically pegged to say, okay, then you're going to change this generational curse. And I'm very honest okay. with people as they're growing up. I'm, I'm very honest about that. And I tell people, I say, because that's my history. I say, because I could have either went left, but my mother, my father, my grandmothers, everyone made sure, no, you're going to go right because you're going to change the trajectory of our family. And that's exactly what I did. Fantastic. So what were some of the challenges growing up as a teenager um, that you had to face in reference to that? you know, as far as the drugs and everything that were going on there, because, you, I mean, we all know it's no secret, like you're saying, Miami, you know, had a huge, huge influx of drugs and so forth and pretty much built the city. Yes, it, it built the city. And I tell people that, um, you know, that was what my parents and my grandparents and my uncles, that's what they did. But I also had an aunt that on my, which was my father's sister, God bless her, she passed away in 1997 um, during my freshman year in college. She, she was a she was an assistant principal, so she was very big in the in the education in the, in the education arena here. So growing up, I knew the good and I knew the bad. But she made sure I was she was always making sure I was staying on track. So growing up, I would say I knew both worlds. Even growing up, it was it was a challenge for me at fifteen because my father was killed in his home at fifteen in his home when I was fifteen, and also okay. four months prior to that, my my stepfather was killed. So it kind of like it was a blow at fifteen years old. You know what is some of the reasons and what some of the what what comes along with being in that world. But it was a it right. was, that was a huge challenge. That was a very huge challenge for me because we were like, okay, then. Right, is she going to really break? Because it's like your father and your stepfather died in the same year. You were only 14, 15 years old at the time. But I was able to manage to actually get through it. Um, I would tell people with a lot of prayer, um, with my mom, my aunts, my grandmother, everyone surrounded me. And that was one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced as a teenager. Okay. Well, you were able to overcome them, even though you were faced with it, yes. you know, on a daily was, basis. Yes, I was able to overcome it because I knew that that's not the road I wanted to take or even be affiliated with that lifestyle. Exactly. Think, because thank that God could have been the, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I said, thank God I didn't. So that's one thing I always praise about. Absolutely, because that could have definitely been, you know, like I always say, we're dealt both hands, right and left, mm -hmm. and it's up to exactly. us to decide which one to take. Exactly. And we don't always have the support there to show us or guide us, mm -hmm. you know, and being in an environment like that, you have to be strong and you have to understand that there is something better out there, and apparently you did. Yes. So and, it, and it was on, a – I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. And a, lot, and a lot of that was my mother, too. A lot of that I will always credit my mother because she's like, it's more to this life than this. It's more to life than this. That's why she always leaned on my aunt, which was the principal, a lot of my um, teachers and everything at high school to help her guide me. And I thank God for that. 
because she's like, no, it's more to this life. So I graduated high school in three years. After, after I graduated high school, I was shipped off to college. She was like, no, you are not staying here. No. You are not getting involved with any any guy, anybody that is affiliated with this. She said, because I see way more for you than I saw for myself. She said, I was introduced to this from another generation, so I don't want to introduce you to this world. She was like, no. I was shipped off. I, I didn't have time to breathe. I was packed up and out of here. Good for mom. <laughs> yes. Good for mom. I take my hat yes. off to her. That's right. Get you right on out of there. Exactly. So now, that's a great segue. So you were shipped off to college, and what? tell us a little bit about that, because you have a very interesting background, um, and, and I don't want to give it away because I don't meet a lot of people that have this type of background so deeply embedded into real estate. But um, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about going off to college. Going off to college, it was everything that I saw on TV from a different world, and that is what I got, the real college experience. And um, I, when growing up, you're looking at the college, so you're looking at a different world, you're like, wow, I want to go off to college, and that's exactly what it was. I was wow. excited. I was at a historical black university, and nobody could tell me nothing. I loved it. I, I honestly say I thank God for my mother because she's like, I wanted you to have that college experience, and I do. I still have a lot of friends from college to this day. That is all we're all, we're, we call ourselves the 20-year-plus friends. <laughs> we call ourselves right. the 20-year-plus friends or whatever. I have friends that I, I have a lot of people who I still network with, even from undergraduate all the way to graduate school. Now, when I went to college, now I was going into journalism because I was a very big sports fan. My dream job was actually to be an ESPN sports anchor. Oh, Okay. That was my dream job. Nobody, anything about sports or anything, they knew what type of gift. Give her some tickets to a heat game or a football game. She is, she is fine. And that's exactly what people used to do for my birthday. Oh, what does Simika want? She wants, some, she, she wants some game tickets. Which school exactly. did you go to? I went to Florida a and University. Oh, I when didn't. I, when I, I wish yeah. I an all-black university. I didn't go to – I went to Pace University in Manhattan, and before that I went to all-girls school. But I, when I think back on it, I just wished I could have had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can only imagine. And when you say a different world, I'm like, why didn't I think about that when I was going away? <laughs> <laughs> and when, and those episodes – and with the step shows and everything, it was – I'm like, this is exactly what the TV show was about. This is what I'm experiencing. I cannot believe it. Fantastic. I'm like the step shows, homecoming, everything. That that was that was exactly what I experienced, and I loved every minute of it. So my initial job was supposed to be an ESPN sports anchor. So okay. after I graduated, <laughs> after I graduated undergrad and everything, I actually came back home, and during that time, that's when real estate started booming. So I'm like, hmm looks interesting because it was because during that time it was very hard to get because I I've already interned at NBC six channel seven I've interned at several different smaller news stations up in Tallahassee but there weren't any jobs available I'm like okay well then what's the next step so I actually came back home for only but for a year so real estate was booming I'm like wow this looks interesting so as they were building a lot of the brand new communities and everything. Um, during that time, I would go visit the new home cities with my mom and everything. So I'm like, hmm, I like this. So, okay. of course, you're listening, you're listening to the realtors and how much? 6% off of how much? 700000 Okay. And all she did was just time bring her in to go look at the house. She said to register, and that was it? Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. so, I, so a friend of mine, he went, into real, he went into real estate, but he went on the mortgage side. He said, Tamika. Learn how to do mortgages. Then my mom said, why don't you learn how to do mortgages? She said, I think you're good at that. And she said, I think you'll be good at that. She said, because you're minding a business and, you, you know, you really, you really like numbers and everything. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let me go ahead and try this. So my first job as a loan officer, I went to the company, applied, got the job and everything. And my first job, the guy was like, okay, then this is your computer. This is the loan application, which which was which is which is called the 1003. He will sign, and this is you know turning on. This is the lenders who we work with, and he said, "Good luck." And I'm like, "What do you mean, good luck?" 
He said, good luck. That was it, huh? <laughs> that was it. So I did everything from scratch. I made my own brochures. I made flyers. And that's how I started generating my business. I would anywhere I would go pass them out. My mother was taking, she's like, give me some of these brochures. She was helping pass them out. And I built my business. So every time an account manager would come into the um, office, I would ask, I would have a list of questions and I would ask all the questions I needed to because I would practice with the 1003. And some would, they were like, wait a minute, she's really getting into this. And I got into it. It wasn't just about the money. It was like, oh my God, this is something, a new skill that I totally learned. And I didn't exactly. think I was going to be able to catch up, but I, I caught on. And and, there, and that was back in 2004, and I loved it ever since. Nobody could not tell me anything about real estate. I said, okay, then if I don't get into journalism, I will help sports athletes get into houses. I can help them invest in everything. And I went from there. And you had a plan. And you yeah. were in the right city because you were in Miami, and Miami has several, you know, um, teams there. When mm-hmm. it comes to baseball, football, basketball, all of it, you know, which is yes. great. So you said you were going on that angle. You were going to help yes, these I... athletes get into it. Exactly. And so you were working from the mortgage end, though, at that time. Yes, I was working for the I was working for the mortgage end on that time. I didn't work on the realtor end. So of course, so did you do high end mortgages? Yes, I did. I did a lot okay. of high end mortgages. And I learned how to do the numbers. I learned how to calculate the DTI. So I learned, and it was like hands-on experience. And I'm like, you could tell me. I tell anybody, you could tell me something all day long. Let me get into it, and I'm going to learn it. And that's exactly what I did. I started meeting up with a lot of developers. Um, I knew um, I met Stephen G a couple of times. I did a couple of loans in Bellamare. I was doing all the high-end loans because I kept on putting out as many files. So anyone who was in real estate, they had my business card. They was like, you really got to get I tell anybody, I say, either you're going to swim or you're going to drown. Which one are you going to do? That's right. You're going to sink or swim. This is true. Exactly. I said, so, so you, I mean, you I'm a, love – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I told anybody, I say, either you're going to drown and be like, okay, I'm just going to wander off aimlessly or you're going to swim. You, you got you to gotta plan and you're going to focus on swimming forward. And that's what I did. All right. So you ended up loving the mortgage industry. Yes. So what made you pivot to real estate? What made me pivot to real estate? Well, of course, you know, the market dropped. Market crashed, 08, 09. That's when the market just completely crashed. So, of course, I'm out of, I'm out of having my own, bro- my own real estate, my own mortgage brokerage company. I'm like, okay, so what do I do next? I did not want to do, I did not want to leave the industry. That was my number one goal because everyone I knew around me, they were leaving the industry. They were going into nursing. It was going to all these other different industries. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I don't like looking at blood. I don't, that's paperwork. I have to be on some, I, in my mind, I was like, I have to be on somebody else's clock. Right. So I was, I was like, no, I was like, I like my freedom of my time. And I'm like, okay, I want to get up. Then I, everything fell. I'm like, okay, then I have to go get a job. I have to make some type of income. So I went and worked for a small pharmaceutical company. Okay. Okay. That's good, but it still wasn't, it still didn't capture me. It, 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 I don't care how much money they were making. I'm like, it didn't capture me. I'm like, no, I, I don't like it. Then during that time when I was working, that's when we found out my mom had um, stage four breast cancer. So now oh, my world is really blown. My world is really blown. Right. So I'm like, okay. Now, here I am, I'm out of money, I'm upside down on my mortgage, and my mom has a stage for breast cancer. We were, um, I bought us a townhouse, and we were actually living together. So during that time, she's going back and forth to chemo, and now I can't take a high-paced a high job, a, a high job or fast job because I'm like, okay, then now because I have to be here with my mom because I was basically right. her nurse. So every doctor's appointment, everything, she, you know, the, the, the stage four breast cancer, it went beyond her breast all the way into her, into her bones throughout her body. So, right. Okay. Because at first they were like, okay, this shooting has a year to live. And, I mean, you know, that, that's just like, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? Then exactly. um, we, we got her a you really great. Her breath with that one. Exactly. It was like, what did she just say? Like, what did the doctor just say? 
But I'm like, okay, we had to regroup because my mother was sitting there like, what in the world? You know, I'm my mother's only child. So it was just, it's really just me and her. And I'm like, right. okay, okay, okay. So what hard, I that's a hard pill to swallow at that time. It's a, and then the market it's a, has crashed. You're trying to figure it out. You're still, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in the world because we have no idea what's going on after the market crashed no. in 2008. So, yeah, wow. It was a really it, – it was hard. So I'm like, okay, we got to figure it out because I'm like, I have to make income. My mother can't work because she has breast cancer. We, she's going through chemo. She's doing all these things. So what I did was um, I still found a job in the mortgage industry, but it was at Bank of America at night. So while doing loan modifications, so it was like a lot of, of, a lot of paper pushing, <laughs> a lot of paper pushing and calling on the West Coast to get the people loans modified. Okay. I learned how to do loan modifications. Because I always looked at it as like, okay, then, well, then that means I can learn how to do a loan modification because people are now looking to do modify their loans. That's how I looked exactly. at it. So when my, the days my mother would have her chemo and everything, I would go, she would go first thing in the morning. I would cook her dinner and everything, and then I would go to work at night. I would call and periodically check up on her, but she was able to move around, which was a great thing. And, what, and she only got sick from her chemo cycle once. Other than that, she was just a lot. She was tired a lot. So that was a blessing in disguise. So I was able to go to work at night, then come home later, later on in the evening, make sure she's fine, want to help her get dressed and everything, and maybe to go ahead about my day and everything. So I did that for like a good two years, okay? So now the market is starting to slowly come back. So exactly. I was sitting home one night, and mom was like, why don't you get your real estate license? And I was like, you know what, you're right. So that's what I did. I wound up going to get my real estate license. It just came out of me. I said, you know, I'm supposed to get my real estate license because now the mortgage industry is shot, but I still want to stay within the real estate arena. I just couldn't see myself going back to school for another four years to be a nurse or anything. I was just like, that's not something I like. And not only that, at that time, back in 2010, when the market was just starting to come back around, I mean, it really crashed hard in um, eight and and even Mm -hmm. ten. The market didn't really start coming back around until around 12 because I didn't get my yeah. license here in Florida until 2010. And I recall walking into some of the homes and being like shell-shocked at what yes. people had done to the homes because they were angry about what mm-hmm. happened in the market. And, you know, I mean, listen, I talk to a lot of people and I speak to a lot of young agents and they think it's hard out here. It, is, it was really hard out here then. You know, yes. people and agents to really get a footing because we had to sell properties that had already been sold to people, and sometimes we got in trouble—not in trouble, but you know, sometimes we didn't know that if we did sell a property, that property might have still been owned by the previous owner. Exactly, because it was so much and, fraud was rampant; everything was going oh, crazy. And short sales—no one really knew anything about short sales, even though they had been no. around twenty years prior to it. It's just mm-hmm. no one. We weren't equipped to take on that many short sales. Exactly. Because I, I, that's one of the first, I think, sales I probably had was a short sale, and I had to work through it. And, you know, that's a whole third-party interest. Because even though you and the seller decide on the price, you know, the agent, the seller, and now you've got the bank to say, well, and after the buyer comes through, you have the bank to say, well, I'm not sure if I like that price. So go back exactly. and Exactly. Go back and go figure it out. And people were angry. And people were very angry. I mean, I saw multi-million dollar mansions. I'm like, where's the kitchen? Where are the toilets? Where's this? Like, they ripped them down to shreds. They, 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 I mean, I'm like, okay, they just basically tried to take their entire house. They couldn't take the house, so they just took everything inside the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. So when um, about 2012, that's when my contract, because it was a contracting job I had with Bank of America, I learned how to do loan modifications, and I also was doing real estate at that time. So I would do real estate slowly but surely part-time because my mom was still sick. My mother was still sick and everything. She was getting better, and then probably in like January of 2013, January 2013 that's when the, the cancer came back. Because they had got rid of it, because she was in a medical journal, oh. they were like, and then it came back, but it came back much more aggressively. 
Um, so right. and then she wound yes, it came back much more aggressively and she wound up passing in June of two thousand thirteen. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Yes, she wound up passing in June of two thousand thirteen. Um, I always tell my mom I always tell people I say my mother had very good doctors because she was only projected to live for a year, but she was able to live another four and a half years. And I say, you Thank know, God. even with stage yes, even with stage four breast cancer, you know, it was all throughout her bones. It was basically throughout her body. I said, it came, it came back much more aggressively. I said, but I, I, I told somebody, I said, the doctors and God, of course, God, allowed her to be with me for another four and a half years. So anything that was left un, unresolved or anything, we were able to resolve it. I said, time was on our side. So I tell people that all the time. So um, in 2013, so after she passed away, of course, I'm like, okay, then now I got to figure this out. So in 2014, I basically started all over again with everything, house, everything, because I short sold the, the home that we lived in. Um, I basically restarted my whole entire career in 2014, and then I decided to go get a master's degree in real estate at FIU because I'm like, okay, I I'm like, okay, I'm down. But people are like, you just went in. I'm like, yeah, I know. And, it, and, you know, most people thought, oh, you're just doing this degree just to take your mind off your mom. I was like, no. I was like, and I had to tell someone, I said, no, it's not that. I'm like, she wanted me to keep on moving forward because even though she was sick, she was like, no, you, you need to do something in this field. Keep, keep moving forward. It wasn't nothing like, okay, then just stop what you're doing. Just go do this. Go, go do something easy. No, keep going. And that's exactly what I did. So I wound up at FIU, made some really great friends there. Um, I was one of three in the whole entire degree program at that time who was African-American. And one of the people who was African-American was an online student. So it's me and another um, young lady, which she's really my really good friend now. Her name is Jontrell Smith. We did the program together, and we were able to graduate at the top of our class. Fantastic. You know, like I said, you don't meet a lot of people in real estate that has gone the course, has gone to school for real estate, has gone back and gotten their master's in real estate, and then came on top of that, opened their own brokerage. I mean, you have made some strides, young lady. And then not only that, here it is, you're like, in NARIB, which is one of the oldest African-American brokerage associations in the country. Yes. I mean, yes. I am so proud and impressed with your resume that I mean, you. there's so much you have to offer. And a lot of people don't even know what NARIB is. <laughs> no, a lot of people don't know. And exactly. And I have to tell people of color, I mean, especially African-Americans, I say you do know there's the reason why we're actually allowed to practice real estate, correct? I say you do know that, right? Exactly. We were not allowed to be realtors. No. We had to get our own association and become realtists. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I said. I mean, and then to have Booker T. Washington be one of the Mm -hmm. founders. Are we kidding me? How can you not know about it? I'm like, and I tell you about this, so that little real estate license that you just flinging around, I said, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it, has a, it has a deep meaning behind it, and I want you to treasure exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. And then you have, to, you have to praise those that came before us. And, you know, that's why, you know, speaking to you and then, you know, having you call me to do something with NAREB, I'm honored to do it because I understand, and I came Thank from you. That. Thank you. So it couldn't we, come at a better time, and then to have someone like you here on the show to speak about this, and that's what I want to go into next with you, because there's not a lot of African Americans, and I wanted to ask you that. Do you come across a lot of African Americans that, or, or let's just black people that, that are in real estate that even think about commercial real estate? that even know anything about going into real estate, because all I know is all the African-Americans I meet, they're in residential real estate. I don't you know, know what? that are in commercial. No. There are not too many in the commercial because some are intimidated. They're like, oh, my God. I'm like, no. I'm like, it's just another asset. I said, but the, num- the numbers just have to make sense. And I'm like, of course. 
And I tell people, I said, the numbers just have to make sense in real estate, I mean, in commercial real estate. I said, it's nothing that's like, oh, my God, it's an emotion tied to it. I said, it's not emotional. The numbers make sense. They're moving forward. I said, exactly. I'm walking to, I tell people, I said, I'm walking to uncharted territory, especially as an African-American woman. I said, yes, there are black, there are some black male um, commercial real estate brokers. I said, but it's far few in between a black real estate um, female um, commercial brokers here, especially in South Florida, who I said, okay, I'm doing this on a consistent basis. Okay, I'm putting my face out there and say, hey, I am a commercial realtor. Exactly. Yeah. I met a so. lot of females in New York that were in commercial real estate, but they were not black. Mm-hmm. And, and myself personally, I mean, I'm a broker. I can go into commercial real estate, but I never thought about it. And now after speaking with you, I think about, wow, you know, I'm, an, I'm a multi-unit investor. So exactly. it makes sense. It just it does, sense, but that's another conversation. <laughs> yes, it really does. And the thing about it is, what made me really start going ahead, want to go um, a little bit harder into commercial real estate, it was the master's degree because I started looking at real estate as a to- from a totally different perspective. And I tell people, exactly. I said, and I tell people, I said, if you really are engrossed in your industry, I said, there's no such thing as a bad market. I told, okay. I told somebody, I said, it's no such thing as a bad market. I said, you just have to know how to adjust. Now, for going through that master's program, and I'm like, okay, if I put together a hedge fund or a REIT or anything, if the market was to crash today or tomorrow, the capital I would have, I could probably buy half of Miami. And wow. I said, we have to, and I told him, I said, remember, that's what, that's what I said, when, the market crashed before in South Florida. I said, what do you think all the major REITs did? They got, they raised their funds, and I said they bought thousands of homes every month, which invitation homes, which is under Blackstone, they bought thousands of homes every month, and they turned them into rentals. I said, because, I told them, I said, listen, yes, you may get foreclosed on, but you still need someone to live. So exactly. You, to, you have to rent. So, okay, then they're like, okay, then we will become a landlord for five years because we bought these houses at a discounted price. And when the market comes back, we can resell all those houses, double the amount of money that we've already paid. Or they Absolutely. So, so I tell people, I say, you have to look at real estate. I'm like, you can't look at that. Oh, my God, it's, it's bad. No, it's not. It's different ways. I say it's 100 different ways to make, to make money in real estate. I said, so those hedge funds, they were, they were years, they, they're waiting. I said, even if the market was to crash today or tomorrow, they are sitting back and they're waiting. I said, so now I said, you have to look at the big companies. Now you have Zillow who is coming in and say, hey, we're buying your house now. You have all these major real estate advertising companies. Now they're becoming buyers of real estate. Exactly. I said, so what, I said, so what does that tell you? I said, then on top of that, Zillow is losing money on a yearly basis, I said, but that's just a drop in the bucket for what people are paying for advertising. So they're still making billions of dollars a year in advertising. Once they get their real estate, how they're going to position themselves to buy a property, I said, they have time. They, got money. they have money to burn. I said, but they're still buying the real estate. I said, they want to go from, they're going to go from residential and then they're going to go from to commercial. I said, watch. So you think so. a lot of African Americans don't venture into commercial because they're intimidated by it? Yeah, I think they're very. I think I, it, it is. It's a lot that's very intimidated by it. Um, some some mornings, some Thursday mornings, I actually help run the um, the commercial marketplace meeting at um, through the Miami Board uh, through the Miami Board Association uh, Miami Realtors Association because I sit on the commercial board, and there are there there sometimes there are some African American women there and they're like I don't have any, I don't have a property to sell or anything. I said no, just because you don't have a property, at least get up and introduce yourself. I said because you because. Because at our commercial marketplace, we have a time where we, um, at the end of the presentation, whatever guest speaker we bring in, we have a way everyone goes around and will say either you have a want or a need. You want this, you, 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 um, I'm going to tell you what properties I have listed, or I need someone who has X, Y, and Z type of property for my client. And sometimes exactly. a lot of people, they don't have it. And sometimes it'd be African-Americans, of course. And I told you, I said, at least introduce yourself. I said, it's exactly. not intimidating. 
I said, so at least people could know I could put a name with the face. You're not just sitting there. I said, because we need, I told somebody, I said, we need to be at the table. We can't just keep on sitting on the sideline. We're like, okay, I want to do it, but I'm scared. No, you have, yeah. you just have to jump over. You just, have to, you just have to jump out there. I said, because other, and some people, I said, other nationalities, to tell you the truth, they just jump. And we're just thinking like, oh, my God, they're so, no, they just jump. That's all they did. They just jumped out there. They, they went for it. And we, more we, than likely, they were intimidated too. Exactly. I said they just jumped. That's all they did. They just jumped so for it. And because we don't see enough of us out there, I've run across that from some younger ages. They like because they always ask because they, now since I'm on a commercial board, and they're like, "Well, did they ask me?" I said, "Well, Tamika, are you intimidated in the meeting?" Well, we had our first board meeting um, in January. They said, were you intimidated in the meeting, you know, being, you being the only black person in the room? I said, no. And they're like, what? I said, no. Always remember, you have a voice, and it needs to be heard. I said, you will be surprised how they will respond to you. It will be like, oh, my God, you want to speak? Okay, what else? Because I said, you don't understand. They actually want more minorities on the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. They actually want this. I said, but if you're afraid to speak, like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this. No, no. I said, I said, you can't let your, I said, I have to tell myself that too. You cannot, your mind will play tricks on you. Your mind, you will talk yourself. I said, I told somebody, I said, you will talk yourself out of something before somebody else does it. And I said, we have to get out of our own way. You, you, you definitely will. We will sit there and we will tell ourselves every negative, every reason why it won't work, why I can't do this. And somebody who you're, who you're sitting, the, the person you're sitting across from a different nationality is sitting there saying, is sitting there in their mind saying, oh my God, I'm so impressed by this person. But in your mind, you're like, oh my God, it's not going to work. And it, I'm like, you've already talked yourself out of it out of the opportunity, out of anything. And they're probably in their mind saying, well, I want this person, but here you are. You, you've already given yourself all the doubt in the world. Absolutely. So you opened up your own brokerage. Mm-hmm. What made you go in that direction? I mean, you have a okay. full plate here. <laughs> yes, I do. And I love it. I love it. I mean, you wear so many hats, and I love it because – you know, if we don't have people like you out there talking to us, sharing with us that we can do this, and you have overcome so much, it's amazing. You know, Thank it's just you. amazing how much you have done and overcome and, and, and come out on top. Thank you. Thank you. Well, when I graduated grad school, I, got my, I, I went and got my broker license. And... Um, an ex-athlete friend of mine, uh, we, we, him, myself, and one of my really good friends, they actually took me out to dinner for, for, to graduate me on, um, from graduating grad school. So I was sitting there talking to dinner with him, and he was asking me, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to open up my own brokerage, but at that time, I didn't have the proper funding. So I'm like, okay, why don't you help fund me? So I put together this whole entire business plan and everything. I presented it to him. But he already had his own business going on. He said, no. He said, but I'm going to introduce you to someone. He introduced me to another man, uh, another guy, gentleman that he went to school with. And um, he was becoming a developer. He was basically, he had just bought some property in the Liberty City area. He's like, I want to redevelop it. So I would love for you to come on with my brokerage and we can kind of partner up. So I took that because I'm like, okay, then. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I need a partner. I want them to be my right. partners. They're going to they're gonna help me. Well, after about two years or whatever, the partnership, the partnership never moved forward the way I thought it should have. And okay. when you're partners with men, and sometimes as a female, they're going to overlook you like, okay, now I'm the man, so I know everything. So right. I had to dissolve, I had to immediately dissolve that partnership because those two gentlemen started going through something. So I'm here I am caught in the middle but yet, I'm like, okay, then, Tamika, you're putting your life on hold. You know you can do this. You already have your business plan already written out. So I was at one of my listings one day, and I was sitting to the table. I had my laptop out. I was waiting for a client to come. I had got there about an hour earlier. And I opened up my laptop. I got on Sunbiz, and I went and incorporated my company. I didn't even, oh, I didn't even think about it. 
I didn't say nothing. I was like, okay, I went and did it. And you can do that in 24 hours. Exactly. Within 24 hours, it was popped up, and I'm like, okay, I got on Fiverr, got someone to do my logo, um, got my EIN, got business. I said, okay, I'm open for business, and I just went to work from there. And you had your own listing. And, and exactly, I had my own listing. The next thing I know, listings start coming. And I was like, okay. And I had like a, and, uh, and I always, if people, if I tell people, I say, if you see me talking to myself, I'm not really talking to myself. I'm probably talking, in my mind, I'm talking to God and I'm talking to my mom. I always tell people that. Okay. Like, okay. And I'm like, and I was laying in bed one day and I said, I had it in me the whole time. I had it in me the whole time. All I had to do was jump. And that's what I did. And this is so true because, you know, we have everything we need inside of us to make things yes. happen. And the only one that don't know it is us. Exactly. And, and I tell people all the time, you have everything you need to make whatever you want to happen, happen. You know, you can't change yesterday, but you definitely can change tomorrow when it gets here. Mm-hmm. You can have a whole new trajectory. So, you know, and, and people think that it, it, it's not about being motivated. It's about being disciplined and understanding what you want to do in life. Exactly. And just move forward. You've got to put one foot in front of the other. You know, a lot of people get stuck. But like you said, they get stuck because they talk themselves out of it. They think they can't do it or they need help. Yeah, we do mm-hmm. need some help. But to get started, you can just get started. And figure it out. Yeah. You know, I always say Marie Folio, she wrote the perfect book. Everything is figure outable. <laughs> exactly. It, it, when I saw it that, is so I true. Said, okay. Everything is figure outable. You just have to put your foot down, put one foot in front of the other, and get it done. Exactly. It is so true. Everything is figure outable. And it's just like, it is. I know, and, and like you said, you sat down and you were open for business and you said, you know what, I had it in me all the time. And yeah. you know who was with you. Your mother was on one side of you and God is on the other. You can't yep. lose. You can't lose. You, you know, she you told can't. you from the start, change, change this trajectory. And that's important because the one thing about real estate, real estate can change your whole life. It can. This the type of money you make in real estate creates generational wealth. Exactly. It's life-changing money. You mm-hmm. just have to know what to do with it. That's very true. And everybody's out here, you know, everybody's talking about money. But they got to get with it. They got to learn That's how true. to use it. They have to build their relationship with it. And exactly. understand the psychology behind utilizing money. It's like exactly. Said, there's no bad market. There really isn't. There really, really isn't. And the events that I go to are not normal events. People are like, you went to, I'm like, yeah. I went to an event with Blitzen and Sunbird. They were talking. They had HUD there. They had a re. I, I want to know. Let me know what the other nationalities know. I want to know so I can bring it back to my community. Not us just sitting on the sideline. We're like, oh, wow. They develop X, Y, and Z, and, oh, I just, I, like I tell people, I say it's nothing and wrong I didn't do anything about it. Well, because exactly. you weren't there. <laughs> it, it, exactly. You weren't there. You know, I think I was, exactly. I think I was probably one of the first realtors, like even they route, to make a, what is this opportunity zone thing you keep talking about? I said, you have to look exactly. at, I said, look at your government. I said, your president, I said, your president, what is his background? Real estate. I said, if he goes to jail the day of tomorrow, Guess what? He has set it up to create, to keep, continue to keep on creating generational wealth, and we need to be in on this. It's not just about a tax break. We're talking about redeveloping the inner cities nationwide. 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 To generate income, number one, and number two, yes. Oh, they're like, oh, we have to hold it for something. I'm like, yeah. A 10-year hold. So guess what? If you're making, say, for instance, if you, I said, so you can get, come up with something, you're going to make 2 to $3 million a year. You're generating that for the next 10 years. You're going to get your capital gains wiped out. Then on top of that, when it's time to sell, you're going to quadruple your money. I said, what exactly. better way to create generational wealth? That's right. I, I'm going to tell you something. 
first time I learned about Opportunity Zone, I was like, I'm on it. I started reading exactly. about it. I started investing in Chicago, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to understand how this works because that's part yep. two of my business. Mm-hmm. I'm a real estate agent. I've made a great deal of money. Now it's time to invest that money. Exactly. And make sure I keep getting money from it. Not exactly. Shopping, not travel. I mean, some travel, but a lot of investing. And the best exactly. thing you know, from what I understand is, and I'm a real estate agent, is to invest in mm-hmm. real estate. And that's mm-hmm. that. In the opportunity zone, you can't beat that as long as it's you around can't, you better. You can't beat it. And I told somebody, I said, well, if it goes away today or tomorrow, I said, it's going to be still some type of regulation where you're still going to be able to benefit, number one. And number two, I, like I told somebody, and I was, I was very realistic. I said, well, how long do you think the hood's supposed to be the hood? Exactly. I said, we have, I said a generation has to stop it at one point or another. Exactly. I'm like, you, I'm like, you can't, it cannot be like this forever. People cannot live in deplorable conditions like this forever from one generation to the next generation. I said, no. And I said, you know, as I drive through Liberty City, I drive through Miami Gardens, I drive through Little Haiti, and I said, who is rebuilding these? Who are who are rebuilding these areas? I said other nationalities. It's not. And we us. are just and we and we just be. exactly. And I said we're just sitting there like, oh my god. Like I and like we, I I try I try to get I'm a lot sorry. of my African American um, investors. Let's invest in Liberty City. No, I don't want to. I did not tell you to move there. I told you to invest your dollars there because and it's when you want to continue to keep and when you do invest your dollars there, don't be a slumlord. You take care of exactly. the people that are living in the building because you have to retrain certain people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if they're used to having a landlord that does nothing for them and just lets them live in squalor and think that's the way they're supposed to be treated because they are at a certain income level, then that's a problem. Exactly. So when you go in there, you have to retrain people. And it's nothing wrong with that because some people are like, well, you know, if they're not going to take care of my toilet or make sure I have a clean, you know, a, a working refrigerator, then I'm not going to pay the rent. So it becomes a vicious cycle. Exactly. So when you go exactly. in there, you just can't go in there for you to get paid. You have to mm-hmm. go in there to regentrify. And that's exactly. what it's about because gentrification is real. You cannot stop it. It's real. And it's happening every single day. And I tell people, now people are calling me, but Tamika, you know that property that you're talking about in Liberty City is, you know, that $96,000 house has been renovated and they're in it for 150 and guess what? They can resell it now for 380 That was a year exactly. ago. They're like, what? I said, yeah. Because when I told you to invest in that property, you didn't want to do it. You wanted to wait on the fence. Right. You can't wait. And they can't wait said, a few years. No. And I tell people, I said, and I, and, I, and I, was telling, I was talking to someone one day, and I said, you know what? Us as African-Americans, I said, we are we our own worst enemy. I said, we will sit on a property and wait and wait and wait when other nationalities are buying and buying and buying. Exactly. I said, I look at, I work with other nationalities, too. I work with a lot of Hispanics, too. I watch how they I watch how they operate. They will have their own LLC, four or five different partners. Everybody has shipped in, or even if somebody couldn't chip in, they're like, "Well, I'll put in the sweat equity." They all they all equally own it. I said, "We're not going to do that. We want to fight. We want to argue." I said, "We got we we have to get out of that cycle. We have to get out of that." Exactly. But it's a lot of areas. I I, I totally understand that. You know, I I totally get what you're saying because, I mean, there's a lot of room for growth over there. Mm -hmm. And people are still coming there. You know, there's a lot of areas over there that still need to be built up. Yes. But now you have some of the bigger developers as related urban. You have the terror group. They're buying into those areas. They're already regentrifying those areas. And we're just sitting back like, mm, oh, my God, did you see what happened? You see how much they bought it for? Yeah. Right. We could have got together and bought that as well. You know that, right? Well, we could have got together and we didn't, but it went away. 
You want you don't want to you or you don't want to invest in that area because it's not pretty enough as of yet. Exactly. I I said we can't be like okay then I'm gonna come in after the fact after the fact you've already missed the boat. You've already missed it. This is true. This and I tell people so I said it's not yeah I said it's not just South Florida I said this is going on nationwide. This is nationwide. I said we're we're sitting back and we're we're, we're, we're let me think about it let me sleep on it while we're sleeping. They're moving forward. They're moving forward. So let me ask you this. Now that you're on the Women's Council Council for NARAB, mm-hmm. yes, the third vice president, what are you guys doing to get the word out to other young agents to speak with them about, you know, this whole movement there as far as regentrification, as far as investing? Um, is there any type of counseling going on? or classes or courses going on to have them understand that they should be investing or thinking about, you know, the future of investing? Yes. As a matter of fact, I am the education care education chair for, NARAB, for NARAB on the trade side. So the Women's Council and NARAB, they work hand in hand. So I'm, I'm actually, actually putting together a class specifically on Opportunity zones and investing in those areas, and that class is going to be done in the fall. Oh, that's amazing! Because I'd probably be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have to come down because yes, I'm actually getting up. We're actually looking at some speakers and everything. I'm actually contacting um, Ashley Bell and his team to try to get him down here as well to um, talk with these over the SBA, the Region 4 for this region. So basically he's already doing his um, tour nationwide talking about how um, African-American businesses nationwide are starting to prosper in these opportunity zones. And what, can, right. and what they can do, and also what they can do is what, what, what they can do when bringing in a new business in the opportunity zones and the benefits and everything and what happens and what takes place. So definitely, so definitely, yes, I am putting together an opportunity, a full-fledged opportunity zone class. And also with the Women's Council, we're also putting together a couple of financial literacy classes as well because people don't understand your credit. You know, I'm like, you know you have to pay cash for everything. I'm like, you can leverage off your credit. I said exactly. Uh, national, I said it, I said banks are actually throwing money at you. Make sure your credit is right. You can leverage off your credit. Exactly. I said exactly. we have we 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 have to know how money works. We have to know how it works for us. How our credit can work for us. How even business credit can work for us. Because we're just sitting here like, okay, I got to have piles and piles of money. No, it's strategic ways of how we can be able to get into the investing game. And that's what we were talking about, you know, understanding how you can leverage yourself, you know, mm-hmm. as far as your business is concerned, and also investing because exactly. they don't know. Yep. And if you know now, you can prepare exactly. for the next three to five years, even if you're mm-hmm. a new realtor. And that's why I try to share with young realtors, you have to understand what is your relationship with money? Because once you understand your relationship with money and the psychology behind it, and, you know, where your you know, emotional guidance is as far as that's concerned, your emotion, emotional intelligence, that's important. That's a big part of being in real estate. That really and is. And a lot of them don't get it. So I am so happy that you are bringing something about. And I can't wait. Please let me know because I will definitely be there front row and center. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's going to be where I'm going. Um, we're going to have it where it's a, a state, a big statewide event. So uh, even from other for uh, the other chapters to come down because we uh, have other chapters in Orlando, Jacksonville, and also Tallahassee. So of course you yes. are more than welcome to come down. Oh, I would love to because I, I look at the future and I look at our you know agents and the young agents, and I understand they want to make money, they want to provide for their families, they want to break into, you know, the market properly, and I always share with them, you know, it's about growing into this market. It takes years to understand how this works. But once you know how it works, you'll be surprised how quickly things happen for you. Exactly. You know, I mean, you are wealthy. You are such a wealth of information. I cannot wait to come over there and sit down with you and have a conversation with you because you know so much about the commercial end of it, the investing end of it. I mean, if I was a young realtor, 
you wouldn't be able to get rid of me. I would be there. <laughs> <laughs> I would be there soaking it all up. I'm just listen. Are, do, are you listening? <laughs> because she knows everything. Thank oh, you, thank like you, thank you. Of real estate for me. <laughs> thank you. And the thing about it is, I just try to get the information and just bring it back to our community as much as Absolutely. much information as possible. I'm like because it's out there. I'm like most people they don't know how to find. It. All right, then. Well, let me go in here. I'm going to get the information, and I'm going to bring it back, and this is how we're going to be able to work it. Like I tell people, let's get a game plan together, and we go from there. Absolutely. Oh, well, we're going to get a game plan together. Trust me, you have, yes. you have just made a new friend for life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm see, and I'm also interested. Listen, and I'm also interested in the Chicago market because I've seen a lot of things in the Chicago. I'm like, wait, hmm, oh, don't you very, very interesting. Yes, I definitely have a couple people for you, but I'm going to come over there before June. Okay. And we're going to have a conversation. Or you can come over here if you like. If you want to take a yes. drive outside of Miami, come on over here with me and let's have a conversation. We can do a powwow. But yes, exactly. I am so interested in listening to what you have to say, and this will help, you know, the young agents that I speak to and give them, you know, so much more information. I am so exactly. happy we have this conversation. You are definitely a true champion when it comes to real estate for African Americans, and I am going to make sure we put this this podcast out there for them all to hear so they can know who Miss Tamika Moses is because they need to understand who you are and Thank what you, you are so doing much. And this is fantastic. And I, I don't want to Thank keep you so, you know, we've been on the phone for quite some time, but I just want to say Miss, thank, you, thank you, thank you for coming on from execution to excellence because you are definitely the epitome of what we are looking for for our young people to understand what it means to execute every day you. to get to where they want to be. Thank you so much and for having me. Listen, thank you so much because listen, I could talk all night long. My friends are like, oh my God, Tanika, you're giving me so much information. <laughs> I'm like, listen, don't get me started because they know I will talk and talk and talk. And I tell people, once you, once you engrossed in something and it's interesting and my ears perk up when people start talking about real estate, I terminate. like, oh, my God, there she go. There she go. I that love what fantastic. I do. That is fantastic because we need people like you out here to help educate our young people because they're starving for this information. They really don't know that you know the backstory on a lot of different things that has to go into this business to get it going and to have a real strong real estate business and actually provide for their families and themselves and have a really hell of a lifestyle. Exactly, it can be done. It can be yes, done. Yes, it really I mean, can. We've had this conversation. Yeah, you know, and here it is. Your mother, you know, God rest her soul. She told you from the beginning. Go and get your real estate license. Break, you know, break this curse. Change the trajectory. And you did. Yes. And look at you. I mean, you're you're vice president for NARAB on the Women's Council and on the board. Thank you so much. Association for, I mean, commercial. I mean, you're on the commercial board. Thank you. And the thing about Thank you. And you know what? I don't be like, oh, my God, I got this next accolade. I'm just like, okay, then what is the next position to get into strategically in order to get more information so I can bring it back to the community? And that's the way I look at it. How is it that, okay, it's going to increase my knowledge in order to make, make better sense when, I, uh, when, I, when I'm investing or when I'm working with a client? Okay, then let's do it this way because I learned this way, and it's going to save you money, and this is how your money is going to grow over time. I look at it like that. Well, you and I will definitely be talking about Chicago. Don't you worry. Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> definitely, because I have been hearing a little couple of things. And I'm like, hmm, Chicago. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it reminds me of, of Miami as well. Just a colder version. I said because it's a good side and it's a bad side. But the bad side oh, is regentrifying as well. You have, my, you have Chicago. You have uh, Houston. And then you have mm-hmm. Detroit. I haven't even ventured, yes. ventured over to those two places because, you know, I decided Chicago because it reminds me of New York like it reminds you of Miami. But, you know, when yes. you look at Chicago, all you see is inventory. Yes. And it's like, okay, I, I understand this. 
And the more you invest, the better you get, the more you understand. And like you said, the numbers have to work. Yeah. That's what, that's what, what real estate is about. If the numbers that's work. That's what I tell you. The numbers work, you good. I said, as long yeah, as your cap you rate and, and your numbers work. <laughs> that's why you and exactly. I are definitely having a conversation. Oh, yes, we definitely got to have a conversation. Yes, we definitely have to have our game plan down pat. Yes, definitely. So please, please stay in touch. I will give you a call next week because I will definitely be coming over there. Or okay. Or you can come over here, whatever you choose to do. If you want to come this way, I'll come that way. But again, okay. I'd like I'll... to thank you for coming on our show. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And tell people where they can find you. Yeah, uh, they can find me at, on Instagram at T Moses Real Estate Broker, or they can also find me at um, my other business page, which is Robin Burr Realty. I hope you guys have enjoyed our interview with Ms. Tamika Moses. She is definitely one to keep your eyes on and your ears to the ground for. She is a trailblazer in our industry of commercial real estate. I definitely learned quite a bit from her today and always wanted to have a conversation in reference to commercial real estate. Who knows where it will take me or you if you're interested. You can find Ms. Tamika Moses on Instagram at T Moses Real Estate Broker and also on Instagram at Robin Burr Realty, which is her own brokerage. Guys, thank you once again. You can follow me at Jane Bond underscore underscore underscore. And we ask that you please do subscribe and write us a review. Until next time, from execution to excellence. <laughs>